Hey, welcome. It's Rising Tide Changemakers, where we share the stories of unique individuals who bring big ideas to life. Advance knowledge, build companies, and put meaningful change in motion. All with your host, Greg Weiss. Hey, Greg. Hey, thanks a lot. I'm thrilled to be here with today's guest, Nia Dowell, who knows quite a bit about how to have a good conversation. In <laughs> fact, you started a company in this area. Tell us about you. Uh, yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me. And I think we all know a lot about how to, how to have a conversation, but importantly, it's how to improve our conversations going forward. Um, I started a company um, in 2019, right before the pandemic, called Discursive. Um, and that company is based on all of our research that I, uh, my lab and I do here at UCI, which is in the Language and Learning Analytics Lab, where we quantify and characterize social and cognitive dynamics in human interaction. Wow. How did you get interested in the human interaction side of conversation? How did that come up? Yeah, that, um, that reminds me of a great sort of story. When I was younger, I've had... Uh, and since my, I guess my early teenage years, I've always had really wonderful people in my life, like great friends, great mentors that have sort of paved the way for me. And they've all been comprised of wonderful conversations, right? So you walk away from a conversation and you just feel really energized and you feel like you want to drop everything else you were planning to do that day um, and just start working on whatever it is you just had a conversation about um, with a certain team or a pair of friends and but sometimes you walk away and you're like man I never want to see those people again or I could go a long time without seeing them again it's really those like two sort of you know ends of the spectrum that fascinate me like why are some things so motivating um, and others such a drag and and how do we start to understand that like what are the aspects of a wonderful interaction that make it wonderful. Is it partly non-verbal that's part of this, or is it entirely what we say? No, no, no. It's definitely uh, a mixture, right? So um, in my my earlier days of research, I did a lot of nonverbal communication mm -hmm. analysis, and, and that conveys so much of the story, but also a lot is in what we're saying. And there's also the beauty that sometimes those things are misaligned, right? Because that's what we do as humans. We kind of, we might say one thing, but we're implying another thing. <laughs> right, indeed. So what surprises you most about uh, analyzing people's conversations? I think the most surprising thing is that we're not taught how to do this, right? So it's like it's one of these foundational aspects of, of everything we do in our career, but also in our everyday lives. Like I was just talking about our, our personal relationships. That's the foundation of your the per your boyfriend, your husband, your best friends, like is conversation. But no one really teaches you like how to navigate those things appropriately or, or in a way that um, creates really beneficial outcomes for you. And I think that is really, really fascinating. But yet people are amazing at it most of the time. Wow. Um, people can be amazing at it most of the time. And can those other people learn to be amazing? Yes, yes. And is that the goal of Discursive, to try to improve the quality of your te of teams that are having Exactly, exactly. Okay, tell us more about that. How, how does that work? So we have this conversation, mm -hmm. then how do we, well, ultimately monetize this for a company? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, well, I think, so everything is collaborative right now, so it doesn't really matter about like what discipline you're in. Almost everything that somebody's doing within their, their career involves probably other people and working together with other people. And we can call that collaborative problem solving. We can call that working in a team, right? And so 
you have a goal. Maybe that's to create an innovative product. Maybe that's to create a creative idea to move the company forward. Maybe that's just to learn something or or maybe it's to solve some really big issue that's like plaguing your company, right? Mm -hmm. So all of these things involve people working together and interacting together. And so what discursive realize what we realize at discursive is hey we already study all of this we can actually optimize these interactions the outcomes of teams right how do we bring the outcome being creativity at this level up to something up here right much higher level yes and we can do that by improving the conversation between people making it fluid and providing space for new ideas and creating more inclusive environments and so that's what we do at discursive like not only how do we generally improve mm -hmm. outcomes for teams and different companies but also how do we create more inclusive interactions so a big part of what we do you know these are obviously very related right so improving conversations almost allows space to be more inclusive and equitable in those conversations. But we also have a specific eye towards inclusivity. So a lot of us fall into, and I don't want to probably talk about this more later, mm -hmm. but I'll quickly say that a lot of what we found in our research that motivates discursive is these really fascinating differences between how males and females interact and across racial and ethnic lines, right? And these have consequences. So going back to my you know, how did I get here? What motivated me is, you know, it, it influences how somebody walks away from an interaction. So say you have a computer science team and they're solving some really neat, cool thing at Google. Yes. And you have, you know, three minority females and maybe like seven non-minority males. You want to make sure everybody walks away feeling like they contributed, feeling like they were, their voices were heard, feeling powerful, feeling motivated right and right. like stimulated you don't want them to walk away and feel like uh i don't really want to go back and talk to them you don't want those interactions to end sure. in that detrimental way that i sort of described earlier you want to improve that and so that's really like okay we can make this more inclusive where everybody walks away feeling like jazzed and that also means the team is more successful too, exactly right? because then we get every player contributing it's a win-win for everybody just mm. creating that space and allowing us to become aware of how we're engaging, how to how to optimize that is a win-win for the company, it's a win-win for the team and for the individuals, right? So it's a multi-level outcome. Beneficial uh, spiral. Exactly. Okay, so <laughs> is Discursive then a software company that listens in on these meetings and then provides a dashboard so that the manager or the discussion leader can tweak things? Well, it, it can be a lot of things. It's, it is a software mm -hmm. and it can analyze everything from your interactions. Like a lot of companies rely on like Gchat or Slack, all of these things. These are like text, basically text-based communications. Right. We can analyze all of that. We can also go in and say like you and I are a team together mm -hmm. right now. I can have a thing that just basically is monitoring and analyzing all of our communication oh, wow. and then transferring that text to data mm -hmm. into data. And then that information, then, like you said, goes into maybe it's a dashboard for me personally. So, you know, just like I want to personally monitor how many steps I'm taking on my Fitbit and how my sleep was last night. We can also provide those insights to individuals wow. or we can provide them to a team leader. Mm -hmm. which I think is what you were getting at. Right. And we can aggregate them at different levels, right? So it can be like, you will just want to improve like on your own. We can do that. You have a team you want to start to monitor them, provide them with feedback on how they're interacting so that they can start to tweak and see how things improve over time. We can do that. Or so say, it's like Grammarly for conversation. Yes, yes. <laughs> but to, <laughs> the goal being to make it better. Yeah, to exactly. Improve yeah. the quality. Mm-hmm. So that's like at the team level, but also it's really useful for like younger populations too. We haven't done this yet, but you can imagine where you can gamify this and sort mm. of make it fun for older populations. It's going to be like a monitoring thing that we've had so far, like a dashboard that's sort of like, hey, this is where you are. And this is where you are in relation to like 
Steve, Gloria, and all these mm-hmm. other people on your team. But you can m- make that fun and make it like a you know competitive element for younger populations. That sounds great. Is this a solution then for the problem of the breakdown in communication and social media? We hope so. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. It's totally necessary. Yeah. Now, you also worked on this really interesting software called Group Communication Analysis. Can you tell us what that is and why it's so important? Yes, yes. That is my huge interest of mine. So group communication analysis is the foundation. It's a huge product part of Discursive A. But what it is, is it's a natural language processing tool that allows us to monitor exactly what you and I have been talking about. It allows us to monitor how we're communicating and the interdependencies between that. So, for example... Group communication analysis has several different measures. Mm-hmm. Responsivities. Is Greg really responding to and attending to what I'm saying, or is he completely ignoring me? Well, now Which, that you said that, I am totally I know. <laughs> <laughs> How much social impact does somebody have in a conversation? Like, who's really driving this thing? Like, when they say something, whose ideas are picked up and then moving the conversation forward, and whose are being kind of ignored? So these are some of the types of measures that group communication analysis allows you to quantify. Wow. Um, so is it a network analysis, then? It can be used with network analysis, and I have papers on that. Mm -hmm. But um, network analysis is about the structural relationships, which is really interesting information. Mm -hmm. But it's not, so it's like Nia's connected to Greg and Gloria, and we have sent messages to each other. But not the nature of that, the nature of those messages. Okay, so it captures not just the connections, but actually what the content is. And that is so important. Yes, exactly. So it's both the structure we have spoken. What's the, the nature of that communication and the quality of that communication? In that vein, it goes above and beyond that, above other natural language processing tools, right. which is what motivated me to, to create it. I saw a gap and I was like, these tools don't allow us to actually capture the organic nature of conversation. That's great. Like great entrepreneur, you saw a hole and you walk right in. That's great. <laughs> Lead a door. Now, I know you started this company with your husband, and I'm mm. always interested in entrepreneurs who are husband-wife teams. That's amazing. Has it been, do you think, helpful to yes. uh, to start this with someone who you know so well, or is it you know, a little bit of hindrance? Oh, my God. I Overall, uh, it's been amazing. Uh, really? Yes, yes. He so is, why? Why amazing? He's brilliant. He's oh. brilliant. He loves me. <laughs> <laughs> I have that. I always know. Like, is it really beneficial to have a coworker who loves you? Yeah. <laughs> I find it to be. I'm, I'm, I'm advocating for that in my lab, too. No. So, yeah, but it's not been without its challenges. A really obvious one. I say challenges because we've overcome them. Like, we work really fluidly now, but because we work so well together, and this is husband, wife, or just any type of close friendship, right? Like, you have a certain way of communicating that works for you guys, but if you take that same way and put it in public or put it in front of people you don't know, like, say we go and have a board meeting with a bunch of potential investors, Mm -hmm. right? And we're talking to each other just like normal. I'm like, no, you're wrong because of this, this, and this. We do that all the time knowing there's so much love there. We're just trying to correct each other and challenge each other and move and get a great solution. But that might not necessarily look that way to like people that don't know us on the outside. So basically, we were like, you know what we need to do? We need to shift our public communication into a way that it's actually like how we talk to our other colleagues that are really close to us, like our good collaborators. There's always, if you notice, there's different levels of niceties that you put into conversations that are really social lubricant, right. really, that just sort of help it go smoothly. And you, you can provide critiques and you can provide challenges in a way that's really well received and and as intended. Spoken like an expert in communication. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if we weren't able to fix that problem, I think we would have had bigger problems with our company. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Very early stages with this company. Yes. You know, what are you finding the biggest challenges are? 
I think one of the biggest challenges is I'm really, really fascinated by learning about running a company, but this is all new territory to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, anything for any other academics that are starting a company out of their research, you're an academic first, right? And so you're obviously attracted to these new challenges and learning new areas, but it's difficult. I guess time management, knowing what we don't know, like you said, we're very early stages. So I think making space and time and time management is really a big thing just to learn all the the new field. <laughs> it's very exciting too. Can you tell us how we can improve our communication? Are there any takeaways that we can give our listeners about how to have better conversations, more equitable, more successful, more innovative conversations? Yes, yes. I think the number one thing is take a minute, like even a minute or two, and just reflect. And this is really powerful, really simple, but very powerful to think about what is the last like awesome conversation you had? Like really just you walked away and you were like, Jazz about it. You were like, I can't wait to talk to that person again. I can't wait to work with them. Whatever happened that just... Okay, just I'm doing that now and I'm trying to think of another conversation, not this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Me too. But then don't just think about like the experience, but think about what was it about that partner that you were talking to or those people rather, it could be a group of people you were talking to that made that just like so fun and made you feel so good when you walked away. And just that, like, was it that they were super responsive to you? And that they were like, oh, no, that wouldn't work because of this. But how about this? Like they build off your ideas. And it's not like you want like just a yes, yes, man or yes, team. It's like, how did they navigate different things that made it just sort of like fun and innovative and like you were doing something together and combining expertise? I don't know. So all of these things, these really break down the conversation and decide what was really great about it. What did you bring to it? And then ask that. What were you doing in that conversation? Then from that, you would walk away and go, you know what, I'm going to make an active effort in my future conversations to be a good partner, to be a good communication partner, to be like really genuinely listening, not waiting for my turn to talk, but also genuinely listening, providing new information, not being afraid to say things that, you know, may, may seem only kind of related or I think are kind of a crazy idea. That's the crazy ideas or mm. what what the world goes around on. Like right. say those things, move the conversation forward and just sort of become more aware. I think it's all about awareness of what you're bringing to the table, how you're engaging and how you're hearing the other individuals you're talking to. Okay, I really like that. So first reflect on what works well and then try to bring it to the next conversation. Yeah. That's great. What motivates you each day? Oh, I think it's, I think we're at a really interesting time in society right now that all of the things that discursive and our research lab, the language and learning lab, by the way, which is la la, the la la lab, <laughs> is around how do we how do we create space and and time for us to become better interactional partners, better teammates, better spouses, better better friends. Wow, and that's ambitious. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what being human is made of. It's about our our interactions and the things that are important to us, but also. What gets me up every day is the fact that we can do that and we can also do it with an eye towards inclusion and equity. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's always been necessary, but I'm really, really glad that people are actually paying real attention to these issues and are putting their money where their mouth is, <laughs> rather, <laughs> to improve to improve yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to improve their companies, right? Yes. To actually address these issues. And I think that the fact that we can play even a small, tiny role in that 
it's really, really motivating for me. It's really exciting. So the audience for Discursive then are large companies trying to be more innovative, trying to be more successful. Right, yeah. Uh, and ordinary humans as well? And ordinary humans, of course. So Great. like I said, we, have, we can do this for individuals. Hopefully we'll have tools soon that you can start to monitor. Plug in for Slack. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly, coming down the line, um, but also big companies. So we have, do this on different levels. And uh, where can our listeners learn more about you and your work and get a hold of you? Well, um, you can always go to neadowell.com to see about some of our latest work. You can also go to the Language and Learning Analytics Lab, and we will soon have Discursive, its own website, up shortly. And so I think any of those will be linked on my neadowell.com website. Oh, that's great. Thank you very much, Professor Dowell. Thank you so much for bringing me in. This has been super fun. And I'm really motivated leaving. (laughs) (laughs) Glad to hear it. I want to thank the listeners for listening to Rising Tide Changemakers. If you like our show, please leave us a review and share with your friends. And uh, just remember, a rising tide waits for no man. Rising Tide Changemakers is a production of UCI Beale Applied Innovation and is recorded here at the OC Talk Radio Studios at The Cove at UCI. This podcast is made possible by associate producer Ethan Perez and producer and sound engineer, yours truly, Paul Roberts. For more information about UCI Beale Applied Innovation, just visit us online at innovation.uci.edu. And as always, any opinions or endorsements expressed on this podcast are those of the host and the guest and do not represent the views of UCI Beale Applied Innovation, the University of California, Irvine, Regents of the University of California, or any other organization associated with this podcast.